Welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. This is why I, I know the majority of our listeners are on podcasts. Yeah. This is why you got to listen live because when you, when you hear the show live, you get to hear all of Derek's music and the selections. Mm. And he's like a DJ back there, okay? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to producer Derek. Great vibes. And today, you know, in, in fitting fashion, we got the You'll Never Walk Alone. All right. Because uh because of that historic result that took place. All right. Let's let's pan the camera over to Alex. Yeah, that's right. Look at that jersey, man. Congrats. Congrats to Liverpool on the win yesterday. Who scored? Uh congrats to Liverpool. <laughs> Just a demolition of Man United. Oh, we needed that. You know? We needed that. Man man, you thought they said goodbye to seven and got another seven back, mm, you know? Like that. You know? I like that. Yeah. Um what else, man? Should have put ten on ten hag. Um, I mean, it was looking yeah. that way. They had some quality chances. Seven like, nothing. Has this ever happened to United? Like um, between I, these apparently two? It happened sometime like pre World War Two or something. They oh, lost okay. seven nothing to to Wolverhampton. Oh, okay. But United wasn't United back then, you know. So yeah. So you must have been thrilled. Oh, I was thrilled. I had a great weekend um, of watching sports. Mm-hmm. Um, not only because the Raptors beat the Wizards, obviously, oh, yeah, in overtime. Thrilling game. We'll, we'll talk about that. Low on the list. Uh, but also because I was recovering from uh, like a significant toothache, essentially. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. It's, it's weird yeah, to yeah, describe yeah. this, but I'm, it's really, really bothering me. I got me, the 15-minute so. recap. So I was just show. chilling on the yeah. couch for pretty much all of Sunday. Yeah. And I started with 11.30, watched mm. Liverpool demolish United 7-0. Okay. Then I... Pivoted over to watching Suns Mavs, which mm-hmm. was a really good game. Yeah, great matchup. Then I kept the TV on for uh, Lakers Warriors. It wasn't the same quality of game, but it was a pretty decent competitive game towards the end anyway. Um, big win for the Lakers without LeBron. AD was a big problem, and also me watching it partially was because of the fact that I'm trying to look ahead to the Raptors playing the Lakers later this week. So That's I'm trying correct. to scout the opponent a little bit, and I'm watching the game, and I'm like, damn, Austin Reeves had a really nice game as well. Then I kept the TV on for the game of the night, uh, Knicks versus Celtics. Yeah, Knicks are back. Took two overtimes. Uh, took Emmanuel quickly having the game of his life. Mm. All right. Um, and the Knicks overcoming the Celtics for the third time in the last three weeks. And then I was like, all right, this is all Yeah, exactly. No, I was, I was very much rooting for the Knicks to win that game. Mm. Um, and then at the very end, I'm like, okay, this has been a lot of basketball. It's been a lot of sports all day. Um, but I'll, I'll keep Clippers like Grizzlies on in the background. Mm. And then I started watching that as well. Cause I'm like, I love basketball and I need to watch my fourth basketball game of the day. You love basketball. I watched the Grizzlies explode for 51 points in the third quarter. Mm. I was like, this is really impressive. Obviously no jaw, no, no Dylan Brooks, no Brandon Clark, like you know, all this controversy around the, 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 uh, the Grizzlies. You're seeing Desmond Bain pull up for three in transition. He's just obviously very lethal, very aggressive. Jaron Jackson Jr. driving to his left over and over again. No scouting report involved, <laughs> you know, to the point where Mark Jackson's like, I don't understand. I mean, like, this is basketball. <laughs> like, just you got to force him to his weekend. Um, and then you wa- and I was like, all right, I'm just going to walk away from this if it continues to be a blowout. But then the, the Clippers went to their small ball group and finished with like a 24 to 2 run mm-hmm. to flip the game in the end. And Paul George was having an amazing game and Kawhi is Kawhi. And I was like. Man, I just I just really love basketball. Just I fell asleep very happy having watched uh, five five professional sporting events yesterday. It was a great Sunday. Yeah, the quality of basketball has been great since the All Star break. I feel like every night now yeah. we're getting these marquee matchups. 
and you're starting to see teams kind of kind of come together. I think the Knicks are a really good example. Like we talked a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. last week with Michael Pena about it, and like I mean, nine in a row, and like they've they've beaten some really impressive opponents. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, Knicks Knicks are kind of dangerous now. I think the Knicks have more signature wins in the last two weeks than the Raptors have all season, and that's not me trying to hate on the Raptors. But I'm just trying no, to say, like, do factual. the Raptors have, like, a buzzer-beating game-winner like against, the Knicks had? Against them, against yes. The yeah, many of them. Right? Um, do they have a double-overtime win like that where mm-hmm. they're down their best player, Jalen Brunson, and they still come through and deliver in TD Garden, right? They were down double digits third quarter, and the Knicks end up coming back and taking the lead heading to the fourth. Mm-hmm. And then they hang with them and play that kind of defense um, and, and get themselves in that game. I mean... You know that that that's a tough team, man. I was really inspired watching um, the rest of the league yesterday. <laughs> no respects, like even over the weekend, wasn't the Philly yeah. wasn't the was the Philly Milwaukee game this weekend? Yep. I can't even keep track. Yep. Like that yep. was an that amazing was also game mm-hmm. as well. We saw saw Giannis yesterday. I know you're tired of the Glizzy Gone uh, commercial at this yeah. point. Yeah, I am. But we saw Giannis yesterday try to get his own little triple double at the end. There, did you see that throwing and the ball towards the basket? It worked too. Like they actually I haven't gave, seen them rescind no, it. Oh, no, no. They, 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 they fully they gave him the triple double. So the situation yeah. was that the game was over. The, the the Bucks had beaten out the Washington Wizards, who played them pretty tough, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, you know, the Bucks were going to win, and Giannis had the ball ahead of the pack, and he realized that he only had one more rebound to go before they get the triple double. Yeah. And in Ricky Davis style, he shot it off the, you know, uh, took an extra shot. Yeah, but this and was got the oppo- extra... He shot it off the opposing basket, right? You're right, right. The Ricky, Davis, Ricky one... Davis did it. The Ricky Davis one is so funny because not only did he shoot it on his own, and then the Utah Jazz play, I want to say, is Deshaun Stevenson, like gives mm. him a two handed shove after. Yeah, it sounds about right. And then it pans to Jerry Sloan, who cannot believe that, you know, basketball has come to this. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think Giannis is just so lovable that we just kind of let him get away with it. By the way, if, you have, if people haven't seen. Um, Giannis, his appearance on the Daily Show with Hasan Minaj, oh yes, was was excellent. The, watch the full extended twenty minute clip. Yes, on, when, on when he was forced to read some scripts, kind of making fun of other players and stuff. There and was there was that, a whole interview too. Well, right? there was the, the other part of the interview was they got him to try out all sorts of American snacks because you know oh. that, that famous tweet from Giannis where he's like, "Just try a smoothie the for smoothie, the first yeah. time. God bless America, or whatever." Right? Um, what did they have him try? Do you remember a fruit roll up? Okay, okay, okay. So Hasan Minaj had him try a fruit roll up. Had him try yeah. like um. A snow cone, a snow ball, or something like okay, that. It's like okay, a, okay. I don't know. I've, I've seen those in Canada, but it's less, yeah, kind of like a soft treat. Um, Man, we then, could we could we could be creating all this content with him if he just came to Toronto. It'd be uh, so fun. Yeah, it would be. And then he yeah. also had him try a, a gulab jamun, which is I don't know if I butchered the pronunciation, yeah, but it's okay. I it's, butchered it's like a South Indian or South uh, Asian treat that's had all okay. over India and Sri Lanka and Pakistan. All right, I'm I gotta sure. check that out. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. What a. What a and he talked about film. being an immigrant too, which is you yeah, know, you and I's favorite. Well, you know him and line. you know him and Samanaj filmed this really cool WhatsApp commercial. No, where, I where did they not know played that. horse, but instead of playing horse, they used Giannis's like natural name, Atantakumpo. Like instead oh, of H O, yeah, and then and that's then, a long game. And then as they were doing it, they were talking about their immigrant experiences and obviously tie into the brand, talking about like how they use WhatsApp. To talk to people, so I, I mean, look, people listen, should check that out too. First of all, yeah. I didn't realize WhatsApp actually needed advertising. I just assumed <laughs> everyone had WhatsApp. By um, the way, shout to any Asian we run into uh, at the arena, uh, specifically Jeremy. Oh, Every yeah. person always asks, uh, "You got WeChat?" Yeah, no, he really was like, "What's your WeChat number?" <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Did I, you I, activate the WeChat?" No, so uh, WeChat has a very, very uh, strict um, 
oh, yeah, security yeah. policy. Mm. So I haven't used it for like five years since last time I went home. Right. So I was trying to get back to that account, and they're like, "We need to confirm your security." And so I needed another phone. <laughs> probably, it was a whole they thing. I need you to fly home and do facial recognition. <laughs> I mean, probably. I should yeah. stop talking. Um, um, yeah. But yes. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize WeChat actually needed, or WhatsApp actually needed them um, advertisement. However, that is absolutely true because I had just set up mm. a, a WhatsApp group for everybody in my family. Yes. Over the weekend, where I had to get my mom my aunt all sorts of people to download the app get their you know go through the thing yeah and now we have a, a group chat with the family which has been you know kind of quiet which is kind of sad oh, for me okay but, yeah you know and those chats are usually interesting because you got multi-languages going on yeah so you know i i told my um one of my, the members of my family i was just like can you just leave voice notes instead of writing it out in chinese because my mm -hmm. reading of the chinese is not great i can translate it yeah, and I could pick out probably half the words, yeah, but it'd be work, a lot easier if you just send me a voice note. So now our, our our chat is mostly just voice notes. Yeah, voice notes can can be anxiety inducing though when mm. when you see the time stamp on them. Sometimes uh, they're like two minutes and twenty four seconds, man. Yeah, it's a podcast. You should drop your whole react pod in the WhatsApp mm. rant warning. Yo, which took place on Thursday. Yeah, man, that was rant tough. Warning. We do, ready? Do you want to talk about Thursday? Are we doing this now? Yeah, let's talk about oh, Thursday because we didn't have a show on Friday. I had so much fun, uh, you know, just talking about whatsapp uh yes so we didn't have a show on friday yes we didn't have a show on friday right? Right. so we didn't get a chance to Trade talk deadline. about we didn't get a chance to talk about the first of two games in washington mm. and i don't know how else to put it but the raptors dropped a a, a huge dud uh you know a no show in, in in the most important game of the year yeah um, like how else how else can i put that game so we had the show on Thursday, and so we were previewing the, the game, and I was like, mm -hmm. well, you know, Raptors played Washington really well last yeah. year. It's the first time they're meeting, but I like a lot of their matchups. Um, you know, and the line was Raptors minus two, and I was like, let's take the Raptors. Mm. Right? Because I was like, you know, they really need this game. And then they yeah. come out that game, and I and I realized two minutes in, I was like, oh, the Raptors are 0 of 10 from the field. <laughs> and they're getting good looks, but they're 0 of 10 from the field. Mm -hmm. There's no good 0 of 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, they're going to have to play from behind this whole game. And, you know, it, it was just a struggle on that one. And I, I thought I was just so disappointed in, in their performance. I mean, like, you absolutely needed that performance. Um, I didn't think Nickners managed rotations well for Jakob Pertl, who was their best player on the night, to only play, like, eight minutes in the first half or something like that. He like, played 10. Yeah, he played 10. 10? And I think okay. he played, like, 21 of 24 yes. in the second half. Right. So in yeah. the first half. He played 10 of the 24 minutes. I think Precious played as many minutes as as Jakob Pertl did. Yeah. And Precious was just horrible on the, yeah. on the night. Um, then the second half, Nick Nurse rectifies that and only sits Jakob for three minutes. Um, but still, I felt like that opportunity and that game was lost a lot in the second quarter when they couldn't really maintain momentum. Um, I was really disappointed with their response to Kyle Kuzma. I felt like they weren't prepared to play him, mm -hmm. right? A lot of the times they were, like, sagging off as if he was going to, you know, pass the ball ever. And it's like, you know Kyle Kuzma's in the game to score. And he made it abundantly clear in the first two minutes where he had, like, 10 points. It was like he was going to take his chances. So I, I wanted to see a better job on that front. I thought the Raptors are really, really unprepared to play against Washington's zone. Um, I think that's something where in the scouting report or in the walkthrough, you need to emphasize that that's a team that will play zone against you, um, that they will probably play zone with the second unit. Uh, and, um, you know, here are some counters that you need to come prepared to that game for. But I thought when Washington went into their zone, the Raptors missed like four or five straight shots, mm. had some turnovers and Washington went on a nine, nothing run. You need to be prepared for those kind of things. And the, and the culmination of all that combined with the fact that Fred was shooting poorly combined with the fact that Fred was really quiet or Pascal was Pascal really quiet. Well, yeah. And it was like, you just had this like 
result where it looked like you are in the playing race with that team and you came out and you weren't even competitive against them, you know? And so that was just so hugely disappointing. It's probably one of my most disappointing watches of the entire season with the Raptors. And thankfully they were able to um, look through the film, go through another practice and do much better on the, on, on the uh, rematch and they solved a lot of their problems. But to me, it was just like a more serious team who really wanted to get out of the play-in would win both of those games. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the Raptors split them uh, against Washington, who was very much a play-in type of team, really tells you that the Raptors are also very much a play-in type of team. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think you pointed this out talking about Thursday's game on your React pod too. It's just you just look at the compete level on the court. And, you know, you're seeing guys on the Wizards just, you know, fighting for those 50-50 balls, like diving on the floor, just the energy level, right? Making Alex Wong plays. Yeah. and That's why uh, you got a headband on right now. Yeah. I'm in uh, Hooper mode for the rest of this month. Um, Shouts to Johnson. But that's the other thing for me is, like, you hear Nick Nurse go to the podium after the game Mm. and with, like, what, 17 games left in the season now, like, still talking about the team needing to compete. Like, you know what I mean, though? Like, Man. And for Damn. me, like, we've had Orrin yeah. Weisfeld. Like, Orrin Weisfeld's been asking, I think, he's probably doing a story on this. He's been asking a lot of players at the games and the coaches about just the increase in practices this mm. season. Right? That story came out, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, Great I, story from Orrin Weisfeld. Good to know that you keep uh, it up with our friends. Everyone should right? check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, but what, like, what publication, though? Uh, Yahoo! Guardian? <laughs> Complex <laughs> Sportsnet. Um, but I think it was Yahoo. And it and it just goes back to the point uh-huh. of like this has been very different. And you've pointed this out. Like in past seasons when they've had like veteran teams, you know, the most extreme example, probably the championship team with Kawhi. Yep. Not a lot of practices, like like during the season, right? What's the um, practice, man? Yeah. Eighty two practices. Yeah. According to Kawhi. Whereas you've seen Nick obviously put an emphasis this season, mm-hmm. especially with the way the season was slipping away early on to really get these guys together and try to work through all these things. Right. Yep. And all the things that you said about how they came out in the first game is why this season has been so frustrating. Why it's so hard to just believe that this team can do anything more than what they are right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you've worked, you've talked about all these things. You've gone through all these extra practices and where is the execution? Where is the actual results from the processes that you're putting in. I mean, the, the pushback I have here is the Raptors are playing a lot better recently. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, I think that game on Thursday was disappointing just because it was not in keeping with the rest of the results that the Raptors had been producing. Um, so I, I think on in that sense, like, the Raptors have been getting more out of the extra work that they've been showing. But mm. I do agree with you. Like, there is – sometimes I watch the game and I hear the interviews and – you know, it was even brought up when Will Barton was here and he, he came and he's like, well, this team's better than the record. Cap. And I'm like, <laughs> this team is the record, man. It's, it, That's a teacher's this, pet move. This man. is a small sample size. This is a large sample size. Like, yeah. we're talking about three quarters of the season has passed. There's 17 games right. left, right? Like, the team is 15th in offense, 15th in defense. Mid, mid. And they're one game under 500. Mid, yeah. And they're 15th in net rating. Like, mid. This, the team is what it is, right? Yeah. Now, they're trending in the right direction, which is good, and I, and I hope to continue sure. to see that fight. But, you know, at the same time, like, you do know that the Raptors have those kind of letdowns. Um, I was happy that at least the Raptors were able to come back on Saturday and put together a much better performance. I thought the bigger key in that one was just like, okay, how do you find a way 
um, to get Gary Trent Jr. involved because mm-hmm. in the first game, he only had four points. He was two of seven from the field, and he was like a minus 26 mm-hmm. off the bench, which is just really, really bad. I mean, like, uh, you know, um, I was even watching uh, a clip that um, a producer here at Sportsnet, um, Chris Black, put together about um, just Gary and his lack of effort on defense on a, on a lot of these sequences, mm-hmm. right? And so um, it wasn't necessarily just he wasn't scoring well, but it felt like his overall energy was low. I thought in the rematch, um, he was so much better. Obviously, he led the the way with 26 points off the bench. He was eventually tabbed to close the game um, ahead of Jakob Pertl and ahead of Scotty Barnes at times, even uh, in the fourth quarter and in overtimes. Um, and I thought that was the right decision because Gary was doing such a great job of getting into his own offense but also playing within the flow of the game. I, I think that, you know, with Gary coming off the bench now, like you cannot just, like, give him the ball and just let him cook. That's not the kind of player he is. Yeah, I think you're, you need... you're referring to it as like a Lou Williams type yeah, offense for him, right? A lot of times, like, you, you want, like, a six-man who can score like that, like Gary does, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that he has some of those qualities, but I think at the same time, he's not a Lou Williams. He's not a Jamal Crawford. He's not like a Mono Ginobili type mm-hmm. where they can really handle, run the whole offense and, and get great looks and, and all that kind of stuff. I think for Gary, you need to run some looks for him. Right, whether that's and it doesn't necessarily have to be like the most complicated actions, but I just feel like you got to give Gary an opportunity where you have maybe a pick and roll on one side of the floor, and then you kick it to the other side, you give it to Gary, and then you come up, come up with a quick screen, and then Gary's able to attack. And when he gets in that mid range area, he's been really good. Like this season, in that like free throw line extended area, he's about fifty percent on the mid range. Right, he's he's been really really strong. We saw him make like four or five of those looks um, in the. Um, in, in the second win against Washington, mm-hmm. the second game against Washington. And some of those are self-generated in the sense that, like, he is coming off a screen and he is dribbling to that spot and attacking. But it feels like he's not starting from, like, a stop place where he gets the ball, he's dribbling it in place, waits for the screen to come, and then attacks from there. It feels like there's just a little bit of extra momentum for him to get into his looks. Obviously, he's pretty good on catch and shoots. That's been the strength of his all season. It's been the strength of his pretty much this whole career. And I thought that, you know, at the start of the game, um, on Saturday, Pascal got him going with a quick three in transition mm-hmm. where Pascal attacked and then kicked it out. Then Fred got it going with the pick and roll, then kicked it out to Gary at the top for three. So I feel like they got him into his rhythm. They settled in him early, and the starters were able to do that for them when Gary came in and, and in those transition lineups. And then when they turned the ball over to Gary to run it on his own for the second unit, I thought he did a better job of that as well. So, you know, I think they just have to continue to, to find ways. I mean, yes, um, they have had a lot of continuity between the two seasons. And yes, they've been doing all these practices, but I still think that there are some on, you know, in-game reps that the Raptors still need to um, iron out some of the new roles for guys. And Gary coming off the bench in this way is a new role. Um, So hopefully we get to see more of um, ways where the Raptors can involve him. Um, But yeah, he's a, he's a huge piece. And, you know, I think that, you know, Saturday was a huge example of that. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, with however many games left now and, and them trying to make a push up this playing standings, like, you just want to find that consistency within those roles. And, and like you mentioned, like, the the bench contributions, like, you look at these two games against Washington as an example, it's just, you know, game to game, you really don't know what you're going to get from a lot of guys off the bench still, right? And, yeah. like, I thought Gary obviously was huge, um, you know, instrumental in that win on Saturday. And I thought Will, Will Barton looked really good too coming off the bench with the energy plays yeah and, and I, I don't think the raptors have found like um a lot of ways to involve will barton right now mm. he is probably the third option off the bench i would say 
in the sense that there's usually one starter with them, whether that's Scotty, Fred, or Pascal, mm. and that then that should be the case. And they're probably the one. If it's Scotty, he's definitely the point guard and dictating play for that second unit. If it's Fred, he's probably going to be the point guard for that unit. If it's Pascal, he's going to be the point guard and the primary score for that unit. Um, and then Gary, obviously coming off the bench, he most of the plays are being run for him, and that's the right way to go. I think that you know you definitely need to continue to doing that. Will is like the third option in that sense. So, and he's not really like jacking up any shots, mm-hmm. which is good, right? But I still think that there are probably ways to find him more looks and being more involved. But in the meantime, it's like make your own plays, right? And and you can make your own plays on defense. And I thought that the defensive effort from Will Barton was really strong. I wasn't expecting it, really. I, I just didn't think they had a very strong defensive reputation. And whatever, like one good game against Washington mm. in a limited capacity doesn't necessarily mean that all, all of a sudden he's like Ron Artest on defense. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I liked seeing him compete and find ways to contribute towards the win. And he just didn't fade out into the background. Because I've seen a lot of Raptors point guards, especially off the bench, just completely fade out of the game. There's a lot of games where it's like Malachi plays and you don't even notice him. Or like, you know, Delano plays and you don't really notice him. Or if you do, you notice him for the wrong reasons. I thought Will just played his role was really solid. There are probably more ways to find him to be involved. But right now he's like the ninth man in the rotation. So it's not even, it's, I mean, yes, there are more opportunities. But then again, he's also the ninth man. But I think he's, he's, he's filling in decently. And hopefully we get to see a little bit more of it um, when they play Denver tonight. Yeah. You know what? You know which point guard uh, I really noticed was uh, Delon Wright, and oh, man. I think I think it was Eric Kareen of the Athletic who mentioned. Imagine if we used our mid level on Delon Wright instead of uh, Mr. Porter. Do you think Junior? Do you think Delon would have taken the mid level to come back here? Because I felt like mm. I, there's I, a role here for him, though. I think. Oh, if there's he definitely came here, a role right? here. Yeah, like he would have gotten minutes. Well, I, I just feel like it's interesting because the Raptors have kind of approached the backup point guard position in the last like probably five, six, seven years with a DeLon Wright style of player in mind, right? So obviously they drafted DeLon 20th overall. His career got off to a slow start because of the shoulder uh, injuries and stuff like that. But once he settled in, it was like, okay, pretty clear what you can do, right? Um, Pretty crafty, ball handler, you know, has occasional, like, he just pulls out, like, sneaky moves. Like, he'll do a little Rondo fake here or there, or he'll... He's a very crafty player. Obviously not a very good shooter. Um, definitely not a shooter off the bounce, but seems to have improved as a catch-and-shoot guy. We saw in the game against um, the Raptors on Saturday. Hit Yo, he was threes, hitting some threes, man. Yeah. Right? And he was hitting some threes even in the last game before that as well. Um, so there is a skill set there. He defends. He's a clever player. But, you know, what? after getting rid of him, it was guys like, you know, Lorenzo Brown was mm-hmm. kind of like the same style of player. Pat McCall was kind of the same style of player. E- even Delano Banton, to a lesser degree, was the same style of player. Um so I think they've liked this kind of like long rangey low usage mm-hmm. point guard. So yes, I I would not mind it for the line to come back. At the same time though, don't you remember like I thought the line was grumbling about his role and stuff like that, and that's partially why he got dealt. Oh okay, yeah, we we don't need another guy grumbling about his role. Wow, not, not on this team. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's the culture. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh God, on. this yeah. is our new culture. No, I mean yeah, that was the whole thing, right? It was like either we're either going to pick him or Fred to go forward with. Yeah, and especially in that season, it. I mean, overall, Fred has outplayed him, but like. You know, especially in that season, that was absolutely the right pick yeah. based on what happened in the playoffs. Yeah, let's talk about Fred so uh, fans can get mad again. Uh, oh, man. Huge game from Fred on on Saturday. Yeah. Great bounce back because he wasn't that good on on Thursday either. No, no and he wasn't. The two huge corner threes, the defense too. Yeah. Again, like I'm just thinking about what the Raptors are going to need for the rest of the season if they want to just like make any push here in the last 15 games. Like, well, this is the Fred that they need. Well, you need Fred to find some consistency. The consistency, in that front. like yeah. that effort against 
um, Washington on Saturday was excellent. I mean, he got the first star for me. He was, I mean, Washington, it's always funny when you see the other team try to pick on a matchup mm. and then they just don't succeed in that, right? Like they were trying to run the switch be- so that um, the line can come screen for Beal and then the switch can come up where Fred comes up to the ball against Bradley. And he did such a great job against Bradley Beal, like bottom up a couple times, a huge play in overtime where it's, the score was tied 107 all. And Fred stripped Bradley Beal on the first attempt. Bradley got the rebound, dribbled it back out, tried to go in a second time, missed it. Fred wins the the, the tip out on the rebound against Kristaps Porzingis, gets the Raptors out in the fast break, and then Pascal attacks. The Wizards double him, and he kicks it out to Fred in the corner and knocks down a three. It was like, oh, it was a tie game in overtime. Mm. And that two-way sequence was the play of the game for me. Fred winning an just blocking Beal, then winning the rebound off Chris Tapps, and there's like literally a foot and a half difference between him and Chris mm-hmm. Tapps. And then coming out and hitting the three, and then he hits another three to really secure it. But that's what we've needed all season. And and we've put Fred in a lot of scenarios where he's been open for three. Like if I had to just like imagine a Raptors crunch time play, first off, they're not pretty. But yeah. usually what happens is Pascal will have the ball, um, other guys will be waiting to crash on, uh, from the corners, and it'd be Pascal handling at the top, and then Fred comes over, sets the screen, slips out of that screen, goes to the three-point line, Pascal drives, and then kicks it out to Fred. And typically speaking, defenses stick two to Pascal and it really close down his drives. And so the kickout pass is open, and then Fred gets a pretty open look with, with a hard closeout, but with a pretty mm. open look. And he's just missed so many of those chances, yeah. right? And we even saw that in the second game against Washington where he did miss some of those during regulation, but... No, it was good to see him get his, his shots consistently. And, and look, listen, more than anything else, you can make all these excuses. You can say that, like, his defense is good or his playmaking is good. Mm. I think that those were both very much true. But you need that kind of shot making from him. Especially, especially on this team. Time. Yeah. And especially on this team. So Like, they, they need that right now. So Yeah. Well, they barely they barely escaped a, a, a terrible Rapture Show episode today. Because if they blew that double-digit lead on Saturday. Oh, man. That's and lost an OT. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> Rant warning. Yeah. yeah, I already did one. Yeah, that was that was probably the angriest rag pod <laughs> of the season. Uh, I thought it was pretty measured, to be really? honest. Yeah, really? I've seen you yell. Yeah, I you weren't yelling. Yeah, I mean, you I, were I disappointed. Ha- I have people who I, I live with people, <laughs> and I have neighbors. Like, yeah, I can't I love how, just yell. You know, the but, two the two groups that you're most concerned about is the consumers, yeah. and your neighbors. I mean, well, we got I'm, to bring your neighbors on. I'm during a community the focused person. What Do you think I they've say, ever man? heard just like, oh, who's this guy just screaming? No, I, it's at always one in the morning because I'll be like shoveling snow, like like you know, out front, and yeah. I'll see my neighbors, and I'm just like, oh man, they probably heard, you know, some some me cussing about Press the Chua <laughs> at, at at 10 p.m. Eastern. Oh, uh, anyway, so Raptors yeah. are now 32 and 33 on the season. Can they get to 500? Please, well, it's been over two it's months. It's gonna be tough. Uh, you know, with the Denver game tonight, which we'll talk about later. Last time they were at 500 was December 9th after they lost to Orlando mm. and fell to 13 and 13. So it's been a while. But yeah, let's take a break. And then we've got Mike Prada from The Athletic um, on the other line. I'm sure you want to talk to him about Anthony Gill and other things. I mean, now that <laughs> you mentioned it. The most 90s R&B singer sounding NBA now player. Now that you mentioned it, I will sneak in a question <laughs> Yo, about Anthony Sneak in Gill. an Anthony Gill question for but, me, please. Uh, yeah, we're going to take that break up in your host, Willu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award-winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. And for the second segment, uh, we're going to chat with Mike Prada of The Athletic, one of the brightest minds on uh, NBA Twitter. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It, it panned out as soon as I said you guys were both brilliant minds, too. So I wonder yeah. what that means. Yeah, I mean, we know that's not true, but that's why we have you on the show. All right, um, I want to get your thoughts um, because obviously you watch the Wizards fairly closely. Uh, I'm sure you will catch the Raptors in a decent amount anyway. You cover the whole league, but um, yeah, having seen the Raptors play the Wizards in what was very much a, a mid-off between two playoff teams, I, I wanted to hear your <laughs> thoughts on the Raptors after two games. That I was just about to say that these two teams are really good at being mid, so I love it. I yeah. love the mid-off. That's great, great phrasing. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like very much too character for both of these teams in these two games. You know, the Wizards have a great plan A, and they kick the Raptors' butt in the first game, and Toronto looks really disorganized. And then they go back to the lab, Toronto. They draw up some new defensive coverages. They, they lock in, and the Wizards suddenly don't know what to do. Mm. And the only reason that second game was close is that they had this crazy hot shooting streak for a little while. So, yeah, I think they played pretty evenly, I would say. Two very different teams that are very mid. Yeah, that, that really is the takeaway. Um, I have to ask um, – does Washington only have one play in crunch time? And is it is it just Bradley Beal going ISO against a mismatch? I mean, like, it's not that uncommon to see teams, like, mismatch hunting or whatever. But at this, it felt like watching the end of the fourth quarter and in overtime that all the Wizards would ever run is Bradley Beal getting his ball screen from DeLon Wright to get the switch on Fred and then attacking from there. And it felt like... Yeah, I mean... Have you been watching this all year is my, is my question. What what's funny about the the Bradley Beal crunch time thing? Like, first of all, I think almost every team doesn't have that elaborate stuff that they run in crunch That's time. Fair. I mean, the Raptors don't exactly have. Yeah, you know, you're talking about ISO to find the switch. I mean, that's Pascal Siakam's game right there. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but the the Beal thing is so interesting. So I was. It feels like this. These two games were a microcosm of the Beal d- dilemma where. All season, when he's kind of just fit in and played within the flow of what they do, they've been a lot better. And mm-hmm. when he tries to be super max man, no trade clause, like super, super, superstar Bradley Beal, they struggle. So I pulled this stat. I was looking at cleaning the glass because it, it really felt like that in these two games where in the second game he was just forcing it way too much and playing right in the Raptors' hands. In the first game, he really wasn't. The Wizards are 11-4 and four in Beal's 15 15- lowest usage games this season Hmm. and four and 11 in his 15 highest usage games. So that's some nice symmetry that sort of illustrates the problem, which is he does force it a little bit too much. He has this tendency to just be really stubborn, not make the simple pass. 
it shows up all game, but it definitely shows up in crunch time. And when he just kind of lets them play through their stuff, you know, they're hard to guard, with, especially with the way Porzingis is playing. But when he tries to commandeer things, it, it generally does not go well for them. So in the first game, he played within the flow. In the second game, he didn't. And that's why they won one and lost the other. No, it feels like he has more, like a, a better system around him. Like I'm watching Washington and I'm like, okay, a lot of the guys at least are playing roles that make sense for them. You know, like, I'm like, mm-hmm. Kuzma, like, okay, as a secondary score, like, pretty decent. I mean, it, it probably comes and goes probably more, it happens more in spurts the way I watch him, but he can clearly fill it up a little bit. And then Kristaps has had a really nice resurgence season for them. Um, DeLon, DeLon's just like a little fan favorite here in Toronto. I mean, we, we know what he can do. Love DeLon, right? Right, very smart. One I, of the yeah. One of the funny memes of this season is, like, kind of, it would have been totally different if DeLon Wright didn't get injured in December. Like, their record with DeLon Wright is so much better than when hmm. he hasn't played. It's like this super secret important player. Like, if only he hadn't hurt his hamstring for six weeks, this team would be a juggernaut. Right. Uh, but, no, I love DeLon Wright, too. <laughs> yeah, they're a DeLon right away from um, maybe being in, in, in a top six. But I wouldn't say that. But, I mean, at the same time, we saw, like, the, the impact that DeLon had. I thought he was awesome uh, on Saturday, especially when he knocks mm-hmm. down the threes. And the defense is always good. I think he had six steals, which is just absurd. Um, yeah. Especially against a low turnover team like the Raptors. But, yeah, like, you know, it, it feels like Washington has, like, the makings of it. But, yeah, it, it did feel very much like uh, Bradley can take over a little bit too much. You know, on the Raptors side of things, so um, we were just talking about how the Raptors are 15th in offensive rating, 15th in defensive rating, 15th in net rating. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're one game under 500. Like, this is, like, the most they, mid-team Aren't the possible. Wizards, like, 16th? Aren't the Wizards 16th in both? Yeah, it, it makes sense that they split the, the series then. I think they're both, like, right around 15th and 16th. No, they, they look perfectly like, matched up, which is uh, is a little bit sad, I suppose, for both franchises. But um, I think defensively, you know, that's where I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, I, I guess it's not too far out between 15th and even top 10. Um but at the same time, like, when you have seen the Raptors play defense and their approach towards it, I think one thing that, I, you know, um, has definitely caught my ire or a lot of people get annoyed at is just, like, how much pressure the Raptors put on the ball. Like, I thought it was an interesting possession in uh, in the game that the Raptors lost to the Wizards on Thursday where late in the, in the game, two minutes left, the Raptors trying to make this comeback. The game is eight points. And Fred press, pressures DeLon so hard at the, at the logo. Like, DeLon is standing on the Wizards logo and that DeLon's able to cross back over, reject the double s- a screen from uh, Beal and I think Chris Tapp's on the uh, on the right side, and he's able to just go all the way to the basket for a layup. And I'm thinking, like, very few teams in the league would pressure the ball that hard, that far out against DeLon right, no matter what the score is. But the Raptors have this philosophy of putting that much pressure on the ball. I mean, it's more of a general question, but do you like the way the Raptors approach on-ball defense? Uh, I mean, that's their DNA, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, I guess, yeah. Their DNA for a number of years. You know, they're the they're the team that plays all super crazy defense, and I think this year has definitely shown some of those limitations. You know, especially if your default is to be more aggressive. You know, the Wizards in particular, when they were able to clear, they do a great job of putting Beal and Porzingis on one side of the floor and kind of going from there. They're really good at. Uh, changing up how they kind of arrange that, changing how they set that up. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to guard. And they just killed the Raptors with that in the yeah. first game. And they killed them a lot. And, you know, when your default, you know, mode of operation, uh, modus operandi is to pressure, you know, 
it's hard to dial that back. And I think the Raptors have obviously leaned too far into that. The one thing I'll say, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this a lot, is there's pressure when you're playing Project 6-9 and everybody is small. And then there's pressure when you've got a seven-footer back there. Mm-hmm. And it all makes a lot more sense with Yaka Pirtle. What I think is interesting, particularly about the second Wizards game, and I did not watch the Chicago game, but I've watched a number – I watched the New Orleans game. I uh, watched a number of other ones. It feels like they're starting to – like Pirtle's mode of operating Randis is sort of seeping through a little bit more. They're showing more of an ability to be solid in key moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that bodes well um, because – yeah, I mean, they very clearly, I think, lean too far into pressuring, whether it's on ball or whether it's over helping. And this is sort of their style of play. And so much of this year has been the league figuring that out after kind of there being some sticker shock initially when they were a really good defensive team. Mm. And now that they have Pirtle, they're able to sort of get back to how they used to play in a little bit more of a sane way because they have that goalie back there. But you know, he doesn't play even when he doesn't play in crunch time. You're seeing elements of it, so that that's encouraging. Uh, but it's hard to imagine a team that has Nick Nurse ever being like uh, like the Wizards are a very conservative drop, yep, low turnover forcing, just force you into the right spots. They don't make adjustments if you're making them that type of team. So, so Raptors ever being that, yeah, and, and I guess my my preferred thing would just be like, can you find the right style of defense to play for each specific matchup or each specific scenario, right? Like, I think when the Raptors are really good in um, defensively in, in 2019 and also 2020, like, their teams were able to, like, toggle between different looks, right? So you'll have, you know, a steady diet of zone. You'll have a steady diet of, you know, pressure defense. They'll play full court press. But also at the same time, they had pretty good standard drop coverage as well. Of course, it helps to have Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka as, you know, like, 48 minutes of just strong rim protection, um, and the Raptors mm-hmm. clearly haven't had that in a long time. And Yaka um, Proto is sort of a step back towards in that direction. Um, but no, I, I just think that, you know, maybe even watching the league overall, it's just like, I, I feel like in the past, there was just so much of like, um, go under some screens, right? And I'm not even talking about like the 90s or even like the early 2000s. I mean, you're talking about like 2010s. Like there's so many guards you would go under the screen against. You sort of keep your defense in set and you want to prevent that. And it feels like the more I'm watching around the league too, like very, very few teams kind of take that approach. Most teams end up doing something similar to the Raptors, which is pressuring the ball. And I think maybe across the league, I'm just watching this. It's just like on-ball defense is just really, really hard for everybody involved, partially because of how much skill has increased, but also because you're also always pressuring the ball. Yeah, I mean, if everybody can shoot, you know, it's it's everything that I, all of what you're saying is everything I really wrote about in the book spaced out. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just really you have all this room to cover and how do you cover two zones of the floor when they're so far apart from each other? I know to your point though, given how offense has performed this year, this scoring explosion, it does make you wonder if like, maybe we've gone a little too far in yeah. dialing up the aggression. You know, it, does, it you're going to have at, at a certain point, like I think it's interesting. I'm watching a lot of the bucks recently and the bucks have always to me over the past couple of years have been kind of the, Raptors and how they defend, uh, where they kind of accomplish the same goal by different means. And, mm-hmm. You know, looking back a couple of years ago, uh, you watch them, and they're very much a team that just accepts what they're willing to give up. Yep. You know, they have great. I mean, to have Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez on the opposite end of a pick and roll, I mean, it's it's right up, up there with Kyle Lowry, Marcus Saul on like uh, I don't want to go against that duo, mm-hmm. but they are very 
willing to give up what they give up. You know, they give up certain dribble up threes. They'll obviously give up plenty of shots in the mid range. They'll give up, you know, certain spot up shots. And I, they seem very committed to that, even if you're hot. And they have ways of sort of psychologically making you think that they, they sort of like gift you these shots and sort of make you psychologically think. To me, that's sort of where the league has to go is mm-hmm. that they're just, you have to have an acceptance that you're just going to give up some stuff. And the Raptors' are, philosophy is that they don't want to give up anything. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the other thing too is that you, you cite Gasol and Ibaka. I mean, they no longer have Lowry anymore. You know, he's an incredibly intelligent defender. You know, when you lose a lot of your solid guys and all you're left with are sort of your athletic. You know, you got Fred as a solid guy, but other than that, it's a lot of your best athletes and sort of the more disruptive defenders rather than the most solid. You do lose a lot. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't disrupt something if you don't have the solid base. So I, I think that's something that's happened to the Raptors over the last couple of years. And last year, I think they compensated by playing a very idiosyncratic style. And this year, the league has caught up to it a little bit. So that's why Jakob Pertle was such an important addition. Uh, although, you know, there are challenges in the offensive end now with Jakob Pertl's addition. Uh, I don't know what you guys thought about this, but those are two of the least uh, loud Pascal Siakam games I can remember. Oh, yeah. The two Wizards games. I felt like he got lost because there was no space for him to do what he did. And I don't think it's like a – I mean, he, it seems like he had done pretty well since Pertl had gotten there, but mm. it was it was a little glaring to me watching just – you open up the Fred – Pirtle pick and roll and suddenly you know Pascal's now the guy lost I thought that was kind of telling yeah no that's a great point I mean there are definitely going to be some long-term concerns in terms of playing Yak Pascal and Scotty more on the offensive end I think defensively you have so many pieces there um, you can make it work but offensively yeah it it does feel like kind of like two of the three can operate at once Um, for Scotty he's he's able to at least run backup point um, run point for the second unit and he's decently pretty good at that especially getting guys involved so there's always kind of going to be that role Um, but for Pascal I I think you know two things the Wizards did a really great job of playing zone against him and I don't think he's done very well against the zone Um, and then I think too it's just like with Jakob there and Washington is very unique in the sense that they play in the starting lineup with both Gafford and Chris Tapps so there's going to be a lot of extra size Um, it just felt like I didn't think Pascal felt very comfortable attacking either of those two guys in isolation. And he's very much a guy who wants to like get to a matchup and attack and shoot over the top or drive in the middle of the floor, right. see the second defender and they just instantly kick out. And it just didn't really feel he like needs he had room. Yeah. He, but exactly. He needs room to do that. So I don't know. Um, it's, it's not there anymore. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, but of course the trade-off in that second game is that Fred and Gary Trent were so much better because they had better sure. screens to step yeah. into their shots. So, I mean, that's, it's just interesting that you open one door and another one closes with this team. I think I said at the beginning of the year that the fundamental challenge of how do you fit Pascal, OG, and Scotty together in one lineup that works for on both sides of the floor mm. is very challenging because they all want the same spots. Well, I mean, you know, Mike, that's that's part of the reason why they're mid. But um, all right, we gotta we, we gotta <laughs> let you go because we gotta fulfill some uh, other obligations. But um, did did you have any Anthony Gill thoughts before you went, or or no? No, I, I anticipated that question, and I, I mm. va- in advance said I got nothing. Got you. you. Um, yeah, no, right. I got nothing. Right. He shouldn't be playing, but, you know, he <laughs> plays because there are injuries. All right, Anthony Gill, he shouldn't be playing. Put that on a quote graphic for you. All right. Prada. Thank yeah, you. There you go. Appreciate I mean, who's you. The Raptor, who's the Raptors equivalent of Anthony Gill? It's probably like uh, it was Malachi Wan- Flynn? It was, it was Wancho no, no, before no. he got Wancho, cut. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say Wancho, Wancho Heron Gomez. Yeah. <laughs>
Boy, the the Will Barton nine ten bowl is going to be really. Oh exciting. yeah, we didn't even ask you yeah, about. Can't wait. We didn't even ask you about Will Barton. I, I mean, yeah, I guess he just didn't work out in Washington. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I think he needs the ball in his hands a lot, and hmm. I mean they have seven hundred swingmen. Um, it's the same reason Rui Hachimura isn't on the team anymore. You know, they needed they need to get rid right. of some of those guys to give to give Corey Kispert and Avdia and even Kuzma uh, and you know now Kendrick Nunn is playing really well for them. Weirdly, mm. uh, more room to breathe. So that's where you get that. All right, fair enough. All right, thank you, Mike. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Making room for Kendrick Nunn. I don't think anyone's ever said that before. Yeah. By the way, those um, those Cherry Blossom Wizards jerseys. I feel like that's a that's the best jersey I've seen since those Miami Heat Vice jerseys. Yeah, that's no, a beautiful they are, jersey. They are really nice. I agree. But is this sh- another on-air begging? No, no begging. Segment? You know, the Crocs came in today, so oh, okay, I'm nice. getting in. Show some Mr. Crocs. With, you didn't wear those with your headband <laughs> and, and, and Liverpool white kit. Actually, I think this is the third kit too. Actually. Oh man, yeah. Check out check out Mike Prada's book, Spaced Out. Yeah. How the NBA's three point revolution changed everything. You thought you knew about basketball. Um, what else? What do you have here in the notes? Uh, well, the um, the May 13th WNBA preseason game at Scotiabank Arena uh, between the Chicago Sky and Minnesota Lynx. The presale tickets went uh, on sale today. Yeah. They were like gone in like 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it appears they were gone within like the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, I believe there's going to be more tickets that are going to be made available to the general public this Wednesday. So for anybody interested... Make sure you go to WNBACanadaGame.com. Mm. It'll, it's going to be exciting. No, it's going to be amazing. it's going to be a sold-out arena. We're going to have to get media seats. We will get media seats. Yeah. So this... then we can do a full recap on the show and talk yeah. about it and all of that. No, I'm so, excited, man. Yeah, no, I think that would be great. Uh, what were you up to uh, yesterday? We got, a, we got a minute here to talk about yeah, the reason at, why you're wearing a headband right now. Played, uh, played in the Raptors research through a three tournament this weekend. Um, you know, shouts to University of Toronto team um, that I joined, uh, led by Professor Joseph Wong, who, uh, you know, is in charge of this really cool YouTube series called Joe's Basketball Diaries. Um, talking little about father different... son pick and roll combo right there. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was actually asked by a Raptors show fan if that was my dad. I mean, his uh, name's also Wong. He's older than yeah, you. Yeah, it makes like... sense. It makes sense. Anyways, it was cool. Like we were able to raise, I think, um, or I want to say like over six six thousand six hundred dollars towards wow. cancer research. We were one of the top. Um, you know, fundraising groups there. And, and honestly, a lot of the initiatives was brought on by by Professor Joseph Wong. But, you know, mm-hmm. shouts, shouts, to, shouts to the squad, Joseph, Lisa, Oliver, Hannah Flores, who was on the show last season, mm-hmm. T, Coach, Muddy, and Alir, who oh, carried man. us. <laughs> nicknames now? And wow, uh, I was the Chinese Rodman. We went 4-0. But because of the point differential system, we didn't make it to the finals. That's taking place tomorrow at the OVO Athletic Center. Yeah, yeah. it's too bad. Shout out to Vlad, though. Shout out Vlad, saw yeah. Vlad, um, you know, from uh, Raptors Republic three-on-three fame. Yeah, and he wanted to pass along the message that he was actually with a real squad yesterday. Oh, well, the way you described it was they had five Vlads. <laughs> and and Vlad is 6'7 and could dunk the ball <laughs> yeah, and I'm shoot Yeah, I'm pretty it, sure, so. uh, you know, That's some of the team. Raptors research is going towards cloning. There was five Vlads there yesterday. <laughs> no, so, I, I got um, a scouting report from 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 your, your, your pops, Joe Wong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I said, I need this full scouting report. He said, dude can rebound. Like, out of nowhere, suddenly there's Alex. I asked, has he scored with his right yet? And he says, no, drives left a lot. Rebounding fiend, though. Mm. So there you go, man. I'm addicted to the boards. You're man. Chinese Rodman. You're actually Chinese no, Rodman. No, what can I say? Dye I'm your addicted, hair again. addicted to the boards. Nah, man. And now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Toronto Raptors continue the road trip tonight in Denver against the Nuggets. 
Injury report is pretty clean on Toronto's side, unless you care about Otto Porter Jr. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is questionable mm, okay. um, with a non-COVID illness. Um, otherwise, that's about it. The Denver Nuggets are minus six and a half yeah. at home against the Toronto Raptors. This is going to be a tough one. The Denver Nuggets are 29-4 and four at mm. home this season. Well, and the Raptors are 12-20 and 20 on the road. And I was actually going through all their road games and trying to pick out how many quality road wins that they've had this season. Yeah. And may I present to you five that oh, I was okay. able to pull out. Wow, this guy did research. Uh, right, Miami, early in the season, a second half right, of a back-to-back, yeah. a 98-90 win. I heard that. Yeah, that was yeah. after the fight and the ejection. Yes, Coloco yes, yes, and yes. Martin. Yeah, that was a like, solid win. Solid yeah, win yeah. against a Miami team right, that's also mid. Yeah. Uh, the New York Knicks, mm. you know, the toast of the Eastern Conference right now. Right. Um, Unlike the Celtics, the Raptors can actually beat the Knicks <laughs> yeah, the Pascal, the Pascal 52-point uh, game. And yep. also another time when they won in overtime. That was so the one. Two when, of our best yeah. wins this season are against the Knicks, and yep. that's not even a joke. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then the the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, at Cleveland. Uh, this was around Christmas time. Yeah, definitely was, not the yeah. rematch. The rematch we got. Clapped. Oh yeah, rematch was tough. So that's four quality road wins for the Raptors, All and right. then. The Sacramento Kings to open that. No, that was a quality one. Come on, on. don't slander that one. No, so that's my favorite game of the season. Raptors have five quality road wins by my count. Yeah. Uh, If you want to count Saturday's win over Washington in overtime, sure. Um, if you want to count the win over Memphis, I wouldn't count that because they were hey missing man, a Memphis bunch of only starters. has five losses at home. So, <sighs> all right. You know what? But I, all I'm, I'm saying is it. huge discrepancy. We know where Denver is in the Western Conference. Six and a half point favorites. Uh, which way are you leaning? That's not enough Will. for Denver, man. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think the altitude alone should be uh, 12 points, to yeah. be honest. And then the talent gap should be eight. Okay, so the Raptors actually did go and beat the Nuggets last year in, in March. And Scotty had sure. a great game. And it was one of the games of the season mm-hmm. for the Raptors in their turnaround. Think about the old days. But don't. Yeah, exactly. The well, old days. I don't feel as confident about it. But they do have Jakob Proto to handle the center matchup. They've actually done pretty well with either Scotty or OG guarding Jokic, but right. at the same time, I think it's, you have a different matchup to, to play with today. So yeah. we'll see, but Denver is very, very hard to beat at home, so I'm, I'm going to have to go with Denver on this Denver one. minus six and a half. Yeah. Raptors, please surprise all of us tonight. Yeah. Anyway, that was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game, and that does it for us today. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sports Radio Network. Thanks again to Mike Prada, producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer Derek Vandale, and Jennifer Rowland for helping on the YouTube stream. See you tomorrow.